0: This, this territory for the Queen of England and the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, England is not a part of that anymore, but the Lord Jesus Christ is. If you have a Bible, I'd like for you to go with me. Thank you, Pastor Todd. To John, the 15th chapter, the 12th and 13th verse. We're going to be taking a text from there uh, this morning. I'm reminded of a story that I was told of a, uh, of a man a grandfather uh, that kind of lived out in the country away from the town and uh, things were a little tight financially. So the grandfather decided that he was going to take his mule and he was going to take his mule to town and he was going to sell his mule to try to, to, to raise some money. Uh, the name of the, the mule was Heine, Heine the mule. And so early one morning the grandfather got up and got his grandson and they tied a rope around Heine's neck, and they proceeded to lead Heine to town. As they were headed towards town, they passed by a car, and the people were in the car, and he, the grandfather heard the, the family say in the car, Look at those guys taking that mule, carrying that mule. Don't they know that they could ride that mule, and it wouldn't be so rough, it wouldn't be so hard? So the grandfather overheard, got his grandson, and he and got on Heine and proceeded to ride Heine to town. I got a few hundred yards down the road, and there was some other pedestrians. that says, "Man, that, that old man's taking that mule to town. Did, didn't know he's gonna kill that mule, with all that weight on there." So the grandson, so the grandfather got off, left the grandson on, and proceeded to lead Heine to town. Got a little few hundred yards down the road, and there was another pedestrian that says, "You know this 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 generation, this young generation. Look at that young person riding that mule." And that poor old grandpa is probably going to die before he gets to town. So the grandpa got down, got the grandson off, and then he got on the mule. And the grandson proceeded to lead Heine, the mule, to town. They got a few hundred yards down the road and then passed some p- pedestrians that said, that mean old man riding that, that poor mule and hear that, that, that boy is walking behind him. So the grandson and the grandfather got down and proceeded to lead Heine to town. Gail, they got a few hundred yards down the road. And so another car stopped and said, you know what, they're taking that mule to town, but don't they realize that long journey, by the time they get to town, that mule won't be worth anything, they won't be able to sell it. So the grandfather and the grandson got under the mule, hiding the mule, and picked him up and proceeded to carry him to town. Right before town, there was this pedestrian bridge that went over this gorge, about a thousand foot drop. So the grandfather and the grandson proceeded to carry Heine the mule, over the bridge. In the middle of the bridge, there was a stagger. There was a something that they stumbled over. And Heine fell, Linda, off their shoulders, fell 100,000 feet to the ground, dead. Heine was dead. That was a great story, wasn't it? Oh, there's a punchline. If you try to please everybody, you'll probably lose your Heine. We give Mike Warnke all the credit for that joke because obviously it's not a very good joke and did not go over very well. And so I will give Mike Warnke, a personal friend of our, of our family, credit for that story. John 15, 12 and 13. This is my commandment, not a suggestion, that you love one another. As I have loved you, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I'm reminded of a more serious, sobering story of a of a guy that was having a tough time, just tough time with everything, tough time with life, tough time with God, tough time with his relationship with God, and he made his way to a a little church, little country church, and There, the pastor was sharing and talking about love and love of God and and laying down your life. And the pastor proceeded to tell a story, a very sad story, Chris, of he, his son, and his son's best friend were canoeing on the river. And while they were canoeing on the river, there was a storm. And the storm blew in, Keith, and upset the boat and threw the dad, the son, and the son's best friend into the river. The, uh, the storm was to such a degree that the man realized he wasn't going to be able to save both the boys. And so he saved not his son, but his son's friend. Told that story, gave an altar call. At the end of the service, the, the, the guy that was there that was having a tough time with God and everything got ready to leave. And at the door, there was a young greeter there that shook his hand and said, Thank you for coming to the service. Did you enjoy it? And the guy said, yeah, well, I enjoyed it, but I didn't really believe that story that that pastor would let his son die and he would save his son's friend. And the preacher said, well, let me shake your hand. I am the young man that the pastor saved. When I think about a love, the love of God, that God would lay down his son and let his son die, that you and I could have life, and not just life, but all the things that go with life, all the, the promises of life, the blessings of life. Sometimes we don't value how precious life is until a few months ago, I got a phone call in the afternoon that I was told that kid was dead, that she was, she was dead, that they, she, they were taking her to the hospital, but there wasn't any signs of any life. I remember little Melinda, T-boned by a car. 26 times the doctor declared her dead. 26 times she came back to life, and she's alive today. And she's trying to serve the Lord. But, Misha, you are a miracle. You are a literal miracle. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm believing that maybe next week she'll be able to share some things that God has done. But I promise you, if you were to step into that household and you were to hang around Timmy and Tay and Tatum, I promise you there is a different attitude in that household. Than there was two months ago. Because when you begin to realize. What you value. And what you love. You could lose. It brings on a whole nother demeanor. It brings on a whole nother attitude. Uh, my, my, uh, my, pre- my parents are precious. My dad will be 85. My mom will be 84. And realizing their age. And realizing that's, that's a window. When usually the elderly. were promised 70 years. But they have both. Lived. they're very healthy and they've had a very good life and they love one another they, they love life but in my heart of hearts i know they're not going to be here forever and i know they're getting to the age that that they that i could i could lose them and so i have tried the best of my ability i don't i don't do it every day but i try every day to go every day to be a part two or three nights a week i'll watch jeopardy with mom and dad mom doing so many crossword puzzles is so smart that she knows a lot of answers and we have, a lot of, we have a lot of fun with that. But uh, they're not going to be with us always. We realize that. And so as we acknowledge that, I don't think our love becomes any greater. I think this becomes more important. And I think that we are there and we're enjoying them and trying to get the grandkids around them to, to enjoy them as we did enjoy them. But greater love hath no man than this, than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. And I was, I was thinking about some songs, and, I asked Christine to help me, and she wasn't very much help. But I got a little quiz. I got a little quiz here. And uh, I'm going to uh, uh, name the title of some of these songs that have the word love in it. And I'm going to see if you can tell me what band or what person sang this particular song. The first song that I selected, I pulled out of my repertoire, plethora of music from the 70s, is What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love, Tell me, who sang that? Dinah Ross, I think, was the first one that really made it. Dinah Ross and Supremes. Uh, Here's a song that says, I honestly love you. I honestly, Olivia Newton-John, that's a home run. And here's a song in the 70s by a band called Jungle Love. Jungle Love, a Chris, Steve Miller band. Uh, Then I've got Love Hurts. I Have Love Stinks. Jake goes Jake thank you Lindy. we were hit a home run and the last one is I love you you love me we're best friends as friends can be with a kiss from me and a hug help me help me pastor run lead us in that i Go Barney! Go Barney! Go Barney! At, at a very, very, very young age, our, our children learned that word love. And, and we, we've certainly shared our children with that word, and we, we love them, and we, we tell them that we love them. And, uh, you know, when you look at life and you look at what's going on, there are many people that have never tapped into that love. That, that, that love that God talks about, the love that God provides through the gift of son. This past week, uh, somehow, I'm not exactly sure, but somehow I did not leave enough room for the car in the right lane to get in the lane that I was in. I really didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that's what they were wanting to do. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to any of that. But when I stopped at the red light, there was a little window, and this little le- lady and her, and her kids whipped over into in front of me, and then she called me, and I figured out a way to politically be correct, what she called me. She called me the rectum of a donkey, and then she, and then she uh, let me know that I was number one in her life. Only she used the wrong finger to let me know that I was number one. And I sat there, Keith, I, I, just, I sat there at the light thinking, man, people are miserable. People are angry. People are, my Lord, talk about things going crazy and things going wild. And then I, someone Facebooked me, uh, two women that got in a fight at Walmart. And I mean, I mean, they were going after it. I mean, th- there was a rage. There was a, and I was thinking, you know, when when you have when you when you know that God loves you, it seems like it's a little bit easier to try to love somebody else. And we talked a couple of weeks about the purpose of the church is that we are to love one another to such a degree that the world sees that love, and they know that we are Christians by our love. I did not by no means select every thought or every text, but I did go through uh, some really some key verses concerning love, and uh, just you'll have to take my word for it that th- these are found. In the place, I say they're found because we're not going to have time to to, uh, get to them. But Leviticus 19 and 18, we are instructed to love our neighbor. In Deuteronomy 6 and 5, we're we're instructed to love the Lord. In Psalm Psalm 119 47, we're told to love the law. Uh, In Psalm 145 and 20, we know that the love of God preserveth those that love him. Jeremiah 31 and 3, God tells us, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Matthew 5 and 44, love your enemies. Matthew 19 and 9, love your neighbor as yourself. We're told in the last days, Matthew 24 and 12, that because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. In John 14 and 23, we're told, if you love me, keep my commandments in John 15 and 9 we are to continue in his love John 15 and 13 which we just quoted greater love hath no man than this that he lay down his life for his friends Romans 8 and 35 who shall separate us from the love of God and it lists a myriad of of statements and at the end nothing can separate us from the love of God in Galatians 5 and 22, we are taught that one of the fruits of the Spirit is love. In Ephesians 5 and 20, Keith, we are told that we are to love our wife. We know in 1 Thessalonians 3 and 2, the word says that we are to abound in love. And I, you know, I, I know that during the season there are things or opportunities that happen that we can share our love with our fellow man, and it's the little girl that stands outside, cooks, with that little container, and rings the bell. And that's just, just a reminder that this is the reason for the season. This is the season of giving. What Pastor Rhonda said this morning, the, the world of the stingy grows smaller and smaller, but the, the world of the generous goes larger and larger. And I think that's because of the love of God that's in us. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8, it says that we are to wear the breastplate of faith and love. Hebrews 13 and 1, it says, let brotherly love Continue, in First John two and fifteen it says, "Love not the world, neither things that are in the world." And in and in First John four and seven it says that love is of God, and everyone that loveth is loved of God. How cra- crazy is that? In in first in Philippians I'm sorry five and three it says, "If you love God, then you will keep His commandments." And a couple of correction scriptures: Revelation three and nine. Those I love, I rebuke. John 3 and 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. In Romans 8 and 37, it says, We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In Ephesians 5 and 25, Husbands, we are instructed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And what a powerful love. In Psalm 145 and 8, it says, The Lord loveth the righteous. In Proverbs 3 and 12, Wow, I can't even read my own writing. Oh, there it is, Whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. And, and Proverbs 17 and 17, a friend loveth at all times. i just got a few more I want to share with you. Second Corinthians 2 and 7, the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. In Psalm 63 and 3, we're told that thy loving kindness, and here we find the word kindness is attached to love. Thy loving kindness is better than life. In Psalm 103 and 4, he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. And I thought, what a what an incredible outline or what incredible list of reasons to love the Lord. It talks about a friend that loveth at all times. Greater love hath no man than this, to lay down his life for his friend. We're taught, we're, we're encouraged to love our lives as our wives, as Christ loved the church. And we see that love of God. That when we come into the presence of God, the house of God, we sense that. Warm, fuzzy, whatever that warm, fuzzy feeling because church, the songs, the message, everything at church should remind us that God really does love us. And how crazy, how crazy it is that he, that he loves us. And, and we, didn't, we didn't do anything to really deserve that love. It was just a decision that he made. It was the purpose of God. God is love. God cannot be anything else but love, and that's what the word of God says. And so if God is loved, then we are loved by Him, and because we are loved by Him, we are instructed disciples to try to love one another as Christ loved us. What a what a what a concept. What a what a what a thought. What a, what an attitude. I wrote down this morning and the guys are going to help me, I believe, with the scripture on ten different ways to love. And guys, if you'll pull that first one up, which I believe uh, is to ten different ways to love uh, the first way to 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 love is to you ready That's a great great deep profound thought here that I want to make sure you're ready for you 're ready wait for it is to listen without interrupting Hello, listen without interrupting two things that happened this week uh, and i 'm not sure. I think it was Pastor Billy but what was happening was that I would try to say something and then Todd he would say something and then I would stop to let him go and he would stop to let me go and it was like it was really funny it was like you know was not really all that good of, a good of a of a connection but I'm 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 trying to talk to him I'm trying not to interrupt I'm trying to hear what he has to say and finally I just I just hung up and waited for him to call me on a better line because we really didn't have a very good connection and then this week something happened that probably happens about every week in my life, but this week I really noticed it more than ever, and is that there was something very important going on in Pastor Rhonda's life. And it was the decisions that need to be made, some things we needed to do, and I have, I have learned that she really doesn't want me to solve the problem, but she just really wants to vent, and that way she can talk it, and the more you talk it, you usually solve your, your own problem. And I, I have learned that when she begins to speak, she's not necessarily waiting for me to, 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 to provide an answer, but what she's waiting for, Sherry, is, is just for me to listen. Just simply be quiet. Don't interrupt. Don't stick your nose in. Just let me talk and let me vent. Does anybody have anybody else in their life like that that, that, that uh, they, they don't really want the answer to your, your, their dilemma, but they just simply want you to listen? Am I the only one? in the building that can relate to that. The second thing that I wrote down here is in uh, James 1 and 19, and that is to speak without accusing. Anybody ever let someone in your life that everything they say to you, you feel like there's an accusation attached to it, is to speak without accusing. Number three is to give without sparing. I do not see a place that you can purchase love. I can't go on online and get it. I can't find it on Craigslist, but it's something that God gives us. And when God loves us with all that he is, it helps us to love others as God has loved us. Do I have a friend in the building? I have in Colossians. I have in, Yeah, go ahead and give the Lord a hand. That, is a, that was a good, a good. Thank you, Pastor Rondo. Colossians 1 and 9 says to pray without ceasing. Uh, We have learned, and and you probably get tired of hearing this, but three things happen when you go into your war room and pray. Three things happen. Number one, you become intimate with the person you're praying to. There's There's a connection there between you and God and an intimacy. And then you begin to develop an intimacy towards those you pray for. I mean, if you really don't like somebody and they really get on your nerves, start praying for them. Start seriously praying for them in love. And then you become intimate with the one you begin to pray with. There's something about two or three in agreement, in prayer, just believing that that God's going to provide. When our church was just a few months, uh, matter of fact, our church was probably a few weeks old when God opened the door for Jack Abram to come to to our, our house, and to greet, I think, at that particular time. In our living room, I think there were about 35 or 40. Most were single and, uh, or, or altered lifestyle or divorced, most of that. And uh, Jack Abram taught us, the Larry Lee prayer, how to pray. And we started having prayer at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I remember one Thanksgiving, we had over 80 people in this sanctuary and we were all dressed in, in uh, camouflage. We all had camouflage because we were going to war. I don't know. And, and it was like, so at 6 o'clock in the morning, there's 80 people in here marching up and down the aisle. I mean, they're proclaiming, they're declaring. And you know what? That, that prayer meeting actually attracted Randy, who is now the general overseer of the Church of God of Prophecy. Randy came every morning and prayed with me. And then <coughs> the pastor of the Greater Zion Baptist Church, He's, he's going to be the Lord, but he came every morning. And what would happen, we would pray, and then I'd say, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee, or hey, let's go get a donut, or, or let's, let, let's, let, let's spend some time together. And so the people you pray with, there's an intimacy that you begin to establish. The people you pray for, there's intimacy, and the, pre, the, the person you pray to develops in intimacy. So it's important that we pray without ceasing. When you say pray without ceasing, what does that mean? Uh, several times during the day, I'll get text or Facebook. Several times during the day, would you pray for this or would you pray for that? And you know what? I try as I'm responding back, I'm saying, I'm praying for you now. I actually try to pray for them, pray for them at that particular time. During the day when, when something will come up or something will happen, I try to have a word of prayer concerning that. Siddo Baxter said, I've got so much to do today. I'm going to spend the first two hours in prayer. Martin Luther said, rarely do I pray an hour, but never does an hour go by that I'm not praying. And so we, we, we see that mindset that we really can't pray without ceasing. As God brings things into our life or others bring things into our life, we know how to pray. And that prayer is to pray until there's some kind of breakthrough. I have a uh, number five. I have a, uh, a, a way to love, and it is to answer without arguing. Can anybody relate to people that they want to argue, they want to fuss, they want to fight, they want to strive, they want to argue about every no matter what you say to them, no matter and I have learned, I have I have learned three things, may I tell you the three things I've learned when it comes to relationships with people. Number one, it doesn't matter whether they're right. Number two, it doesn't matter whether they're wrong, number three, that's the way they feel, so that's the way you've got to approach it. There are times in our verbiage that it doesn't matter whether we're right, it doesn't matter w- whether we're wrong, but that's the way we feel, whether a misunderstanding or a hurt or a truth. That's the way we feel, and if I don't approach that, I'll never help you. I'll never, I mean, if, if I argue with you and tell you that you're wrong for doing this or telling you that this is the right thing to do, we're not going to accomplish anything, but if I can hear what your heart is saying, I can hear what your spirit is saying, then maybe I can give you counsel to help you go to the next place that God has for you. Number, number seven, okay, thank you for, for uh, uh, is, to, is to share without pretending, to share without pretending. I think sometimes we say a lot of things because we expect people to, that that's what we expect them to say. Or sometimes we feel those things that we're expected to say, but in this, in this share without, without pretending. Uh, I'll be very. I don't. I don't believe that she's there anymore. I'm pretty sure she's not there anymore. But there was a waitress at Cracker Barrel that I'm just going to tell you. She got. She got on not my last nerve. She got on every nerve. And the way she got on my nerve, and this this is going to crack you up, is that she was the sweetest most serene, most emotional. Well, hello. How are you doing? So glad. You know what? I just want I want to just slap her to say be real. That's, you know, that just 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 be real. Well, I never got the chance to slap her, but that's that's what I'm talking about sharing without pretending. You don't have to put on a facade or a face to touch those that are calling out to you in prayer or calling out to you in a need. And then number Seven, I knew we would get here, is to, Philippians 2, did I give you a scripture for number six? No. Share with, without pretending Ephesians 4 and 15. And number, number seven is to enjoy without complaint. One of the ways to love somebody is to, and J.D. Lewis actually was the first one that really taught me this, and I've kind of lived by that. In your spare time, in your quality time, you need to go and hang around people that celebrate you, not tolerate you. If you're around people all the time that they act like they're better than you or, or act like they're just tolerating you, there's no relationship there. But if you hang around people that celebrate and you celebrate them and they celebrate you, it changes the whole ambiance. It changes every, everything that, that's going on. Number eight, I wrote down here, to trust without wavering. Corinthians 13 and 7, is to, in that love, relationship, you develop a, uh, a, a trust. I, I, I read something today, I read something yesterday about if you have to check their Facebook or you have to check their text or you have to check their email, you need to get out of that relationship. Because there's no if there's no trust there, if you cannot be a part of that relationship without without that, you need to get out of that relationship. Number eight, I just gave you. Uh, Number nine, uh, Colossians 3, 13 and 14 is to forgive without punishing, to forgive without punishing. You ever felt like that you, you know, you hurt somebody, did somebody wrong and you go to them and you ask their forgiveness and they give you their forgiveness. But there's a sentence attached to it. There's a punishment. There's a penalty attached to it. The Word of God says that's not the way that we are to love one another, that we are to forgive without punishing. And then the last thing I put on here is, is in Proverbs 13 and 12 is to promise without forgetting, to promise in our relationships as we are dealing with people. And they say, would you pray for me or would you do this for me or would you? And we make a promise and then we don't remember that promise. That's not a really healthy relationship. That was the ten things that I wanted to to Bring to your attention how you need to respond to me, I need to respond to you, and we need to respond one to another. There's just something about the love of God. There's something about the love of God. Those of you that have been with me for a long time, if you'll allow me to take a moment and share an illustration that you've heard several times. But I do believe there are several here as I conclude uh, this message today, as I conclude this, this lesson today. I want to tell you a true story. All the stories I tell are true. Uh, Some are just truer than others. Thank you, Pastor Rhonda. Some of the stories I tell. uh, Detroit, Michigan. Freezing cold weather. Ice, snow on the ground. A Christian man leaves the neighborhood that he lives in headed to work. As he leaves the neighborhood, he sees there on the sidewalk is a little boy, 10, 12, 13 years of age. little boy has a stack of newspapers, and he's selling them. He sees this little boy. He notices the little boy doesn't really have a big heavy coat, no gloves, no scarf, no, no hat. And some of his clothes are, you can see holes through his clothes. We can see that, that the clothes are completely wore out. And Something, Richard, happened to that businessman. In his heart, he felt compassion. So Andrew, he stops the car, rolls down the window, and he said, Here, son, take this money. I'm going to buy all your newspapers. And I want you to go home, get by the fire, get warm. You're not dressed for this kind of weather. And the little boy took the money and handed the man his papers. He said, thank you, sir, for buying all my papers. I've never sold all of them. He said, but I don't have a home. My mom and dad died when I was real young, and I've gone from relative to relative, from foster home to foster home. For the past several weeks, I've been just sleeping here on the park bench in, in the park. This is my home. Something again happened to that Christian businessman as he saw that little boy. His son, here's what I want you to do. He said, you see that house right there on the corner, the one that has wrought iron? I want you to go to that house, and I want you to knock on the door. And when someone comes to the door, I want you to say just three words. I want you to say John 3, 16. And the little boy said, thank you, sir, I'll do that. Sure enough, walked up to the house, beautiful stained glass insert, beautiful oak doors. And very timidly, he knocked, just a little quiet knock. And the door was opened by this real kindly-looking woman. And she looked down, and she saw him, and she said, What can I do for you in this cold, cold weather? And he looked up at her and said, John 3, 16. Josh, the woman, looked at the young man and said, Son, I want you to come in the house. It's too cold for you to be out here. I want you to go over there and stand by the fire. Great big fireplace, roaring fire. She goes in the kitchen for a few minutes, comes back in and says, hey, if you're warm, I want you to go in the kitchen. i got a surprise for you. And there on the snack bar was a great big bowl of soup, a stack of crackers, and a Dr. Pepper. And she said, son, I want you to eat this. And if this is not enough, we got plenty more on the stove. Eat till you can't eat anymore. Well, he did that. Sat down, ate that bowl of soup, drank that Dr. Pepper, ate those crackers, had another bowl of soup. She walks in the kitchen and says, hey, if you're done eating, I want you to come upstairs. i got a surprise for you. So he followed up this beautiful spiral staircase, beautiful paintings on the wall, beautiful oak banisters as they went up. And she led him into this great big bathroom. And there was this big tub of hot soapy water. There was a towel, there was some clothes, and she said, You know what? I want you to enjoy this bath, enjoy as long as you want. And when you get out, here's some clean clothes. They're yours. Try them on and see if that'll work. That little boy got in that bathtub, hadn't had a bath all, all winter. And, man, I mean, he, he said they're so long, this skin started wrinkling up. You know how you get in the water too long. And so he got out of the bathtub, walked into the, the, the hallway, and she said, if you're done, I want you to follow me. I got another surprise for you. She led him to this beautiful bedroom, beautiful, beautiful post. The, the bedspread was pulled back. Sheets were there. And she said, son, she said, this is your bed tonight. Matter of fact, we want this to be your bed as long as you want I've talked to the owner, and he said he wants you to just move in and live with us. So he goes to his beautiful bed. She remembers that she forgot. How, how's that for an oxymoron? She remembers that she forgot to turn the light off. So she steps back into the room to turn the light off, and there was a little boy kneeling at the side of his bed with his hands folded, and he was praying. She probably shouldn't have listened, but she did as most of us would. And this little boy with his hands folded. He said, he said, God, God, I want to be honest with you. I really don't know what John 3.16 says. But, God, I do know that John 3.16 sold all my newspapers. And, God, I do know that John 3.16 got me warm by a fire. And, God, I do know that John 3.16 got me a bowl of soup and crackers and Dr. Pepper. And John 3.16, Lord, got me a hot bath, clean clothes, my very own. And, God, John 3.16 got me this beautiful bedroom to be mine as, I, as long as I want it to be. God, I'm sorry that I don't know what John 3.16 says. But, God, before I go to sleep, I just want to thank you, for John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Just for a moment, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, we thank you, Father, for this moment. We thank you for this season. We thank you for this word. We thank you that we are commanded to love.